You're listening to the True Life Church Podcast. Sermons are recorded at our Sunday gatherings from Melbourne, Florida. True Life Church guides people to take the next steps in their relationship with Jesus Christ, to grow, belong, and serve. We hope this audio message encourages you to take your own next steps in faith. If you'd like to know more about our church or attend one of our gatherings, find us online at www.truelifemelbourne.com. Today's message comes from lead pastor Joshua Smith. How are we doing, church? Good. Great. I love great. Great is better than good. Right? Um, we are in a series in Acts, and uh, we're going to pick up there in just a few moments. Uh, but as be, has become our, our custom here at True Life Church, I invite you uh, for a reading of today's scripture. We're actually going to read intentionally the passage we read again last week. So I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 5, and beginning in verse 12 through um, 16 is where we will begin, and then we'll go into our message for today, which is the following passage. So I invite you to stand, because God's word is holy, and we are about to open it together and then spend some time in prayer. So Acts chapter 5, verse 12, we covered this last week, and then we'll go on in today's message. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And they were all healed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the... It's not just a story that we're reading today. It's, it was real life. It's really happened. Because you are a real God. You are really here. So God, I pray that we are... Uh, in awe and wonder, that we are reverent and humble before you, that in our hearts we, we tremble because you are a just and loving God. As we open your word today, I pray that it, you, would, you would move our hearts closer to being Christ-like, less of ourselves. As John the Baptist said, uh, I must decrease, you must increase. So I pray that that is the call of our hearts together this morning as we read through the passage, and I pray that you would um, do what you will, that the collective words that are spoken, the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, Heavenly Father. In your name we pray. True Life Church says, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a seat. We're going to just move through today's scripture a little bit, and and there are um, three identifiable and important things we're going to stop at as we move through the rest of chapter 5 this morning. So we're going to pick up, I wanted to read that with you again today because it's important to know where we came from. And last week we, we, we took a, a little bit of a, a sidestep, but an intentional one, and I, and I argue a necessary one. And 
Um, because it, when, when, when the George Floyd thing happened in 2020, if you recall, if you were here at our church, uh, we talked about it. On, on a Sunday morning, we addressed it, not whether it was, it was good or bad, but what does it say in the Scripture? And, and how can we view what is going on in our world through a biblical lens? That's what's important. So, so we stopped there and we talked about it, and we, we read the Beatitudes of Jesus. In that particular message, I said no words of my own other than just hear Jesus for, for 10 minutes. And so when things happen in our church, we, we should talk about it. More importantly, when things happen in our world, shouldn't we talk about it? Because if we can't talk about it here, then you're letting the world influence your thinking. Romans chapter 12 tells us that we are renewed by the tra- we're transformed by the renewal of our what? Our minds. So, so where you think, who you think with, and how you think really matters. So we should probably discuss some things. So last week we, we took a pause in light of the Supreme Court uh, ruling about abortion. We talked about it. You can go back and listen to that message. Now that's what I'm going to say about that. Everything that needed to be said was said last week. We're going to move on. I wanted to read the scripture again because in light of what we talked about last week, there's a slight pun there, in light of what we talked about last week, the call was that the shadow of Peter was so potent, was so powerful, that people just wanted his shadow to to fall on them as he walked by in the hopes they might be healed. And what we need regardless of your, your stance or your political leaning or party affiliation, we can probably all agree on at least one thing. And that one thing is A, people need Jesus, and, and B, our world and nation is broken. There are problems. So if we don't talk about the problems through a biblical lens, then you're, we're going to let the world affect how we think about it. And we need to let Scripture define and determine how we see the world that God has made. Not let the world dictate and define how we see God. You with me on that? And this is important because if we get this equation wrong, you lose at life. Like forever, ever. For an eternity. Thanks, Aiden. Always an encourager. Aiden was a number two man in last week's message, so you can hear him on the podcast. It's there on our website. We're going to move on now, and, and, and that's my hope through, through this scripture today, is that we can continue to have our hearts and our lives and our minds and our ears and everything shaped, formed, reformed, made, and remade into, again, less of us and more of him. And that's probably the only redeeming thing a quality that I bring into my marriage. I've been married now for uh, 14 years. Lisa, woohoo! Yeah, just crossed over 14 years last week. And wow, that went by fast. Um, I got old. She looks great. Um, but the only probably redeeming quality I bring into our marriage is that hopefully I'm, I'm progressing and moving to being more like Christ and less of myself. Because I was a selfish, stupid, stubborn moron. When I got married. Now I'm a selfish, stubborn, stupid moron less. 
because of Christ in me. And that's my hope for you, is because Jesus changes lives. I can't do what I'm doing by myself, nor could you. We need the redemptive power and grace, the blood shed for us that Brad talked about. We need Jesus in our life in order to root for real change. If you want to be really changed, you need a real Jesus in your life. Otherwise, you won't really change. The good news is, and this is the good news, that Jesus is real and can really transform your life if you trust him with it. And I'm excited about that. So let's go on. So picking up on what's going on, a lot of people are getting healed. For some reason, all this good going on, the Pharisees and the people who weren't happy because they were sad, you see. I'm going to go there again. I'm going, to, I'm going to milk that cow every time I get an opportunity. We're going to go there. They were sad, you see. They were not happy about, for some reason, you think, like, all this good people being healed. Why were they unhappy? Because they weren't the ones doing it. They weren't the ones getting the credit. And furthermore, the guys who were in, 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 in the endeavor of doing the healing weren't even taking the credit. It doesn't make sense through their world, be like, shouldn't you take credit for that? Yeah, oh yeah, look at that. Look what I've done. I've healed this, I've done this, I've got them out of debt. Look what I've done. You know, look at all this philanthropic giving I'm doing. And healing. So I wonder, you know, if some miracle healers you see on TV really had that gift, they'd be in hospitals. Not on TV. Just leave that there. Just leave that there. We're going to move on. We're going to move on. So the Sadducees, they were filled with jealousy. We read that here. There it is in Scripture. The high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, a party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. Now, if you recall, just a chapter before, Peter and John have already been there. They're like, ah, all right, moving back in. Home digs, there's where, there's where I left my name on the wall, you know? Peter was here, you know, W-U-Z, because no one can spell. Are you with me today? Like, okay, all right, just hang with me, hang with me. And so they move, they're right now, but it's not just Peter and John, now it's the whole group, the whole posse. Now they get to share like, oh yeah, this is where you slept, cool. It's a little cramped in here. The Zillow listing didn't look quite the same, you know, a little smaller. I don't know what you're going to fit, but hey, we're back in the public prison. And during the night, verse 19, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Capital L for a reason. Because what they're talking about is not this life. What they're asked to talk about is the Life. Well, who and what is the life? If we know Scripture, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. In other words, go talk Jesus. And at first glance, it might be like, that's, that's what we got thrown in here for. More? Yes, more. Why more? Because you, this is the answer to prayer, you, a chapter ago, prayed for boldness. Do you all remember that? Pray for more boldness. Great. Out of prison, go talk again. More boldness. Here we go. Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. And here's the great part about this. When the high priest came, separately, like you have story A over here, disciples and the apostles getting out of prison. And then, the Sadducees are waking up. It's a normal morning. They go through the routine. They get some coffee. They get, you know, a croissant, you know, a biscuit. 
or whatever you prefer. And, and, and he's waking up through his, his morning and he's going about his normal routine. He's feeling good. Sadducees are feeling happy. Happy, you sees. We'll rename them. So the happy, you sees, they're feeling good because they just put all the bad guys in prison. No reason to expect they wouldn't be there the next morning. So they're, they're walking in. All right, let's convene the council. Assemble. News team, assemble. So they get on the seashell and everybody comes. Never mind, don't worry about it. And everybody comes and they were called together in the council, all the synod and all the people of Israel. And then they sent to the prison and had them brought. Let's bring them before us. We have assembled the council. Let's come before us. <clears throat> um, sir? Yes, what is it? Um, they're gone. What? What do you mean they're gone? They're, they're not here. Well, where did they go? I, I don't know. Well, their door's locked? Yes. Are the guards there? Yes. Well, then where did they go? I don't know. What do you mean they're gone? They're not here. What? Where did they go? Well, I priest came, those who were with him, they called together the council and all the sin of the people of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported. Um, and they were probably very worried when they were saying this because pretty much they were on the, the line now, hook and sinker. If a go, the, the rule at the time was if a, someone who was under their prison care escaped, the guard's life was now in jeopardy. So this is like a really really bad news situation for these guys. We found the prison securely locked, and I had the key. It's right here. No one had it. No one came in or out. The guard standing at the doors, apparently guarding nobody. Had no clue. And we opened them. We found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them. I, I, it's an accurate statement. We'd probably be pretty... Pretty confused. I put them there. Where did it go? I think every wife has this problem with her cell phone. At least mine does. I, I love my wife. I'm going to pick on her a little bit today. Hopefully I, I'm not sleeping on the couch tonight. But there's a question I get asked a lot in the Smith house. And it's, where's my phone? Any, any guys with me on this? You might be the problem, gentlemen. You might be the problem. It might be your phone you can't find. I see some nudges. That's okay. You get what I'm talking about, right? There's, there's always one. You know, there's a spender and there's a saver in every relationship. There's the smart one and the other one, you know. And, and there's the one who knows where their phone is and the one who has no clue where their phone is. And God pairs these people. Don't, don't be unequally yoked, y'all. So anyway, so, so they're like, I put that thing. It's there. It's not there. Where did it go? They were greatly perplexed, wondering what this would come to. And someone came, verse 25, and said to them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. Now the people who have been being healed, who have been being taught the good news, given the good message, given opportunity of the multitudes now coming to know Jesus Christ, repenting and being baptized. Here the same message is being spoken, and now they're like, what are you doing? These guys, where were you? Guards, they just got out of prison. And, and the guards were probably rightfully af afraid, kind of not to touch them, like, hey, let's usher you back to the council because you just broke out of prison somehow, and I don't know, like, are you imbued with magical powers or what, whatever's going on? Let's bring you back and... And, and have you tried in, in front of all this council? 
Our first stopping point in today's message is simply this point. God can use a prison for a purpose. God can use a prison for a purpose. Now, all the apostles went in there, and we know that Peter and John had been there already and come out. We're going to find in a bit, they were all rejoicing, like all the time. And, and in life, the world will toss you in a prison. It will. This prison could be debt. This prison could be financial troubles. This prison could be um, a, a, a jobless situation. This prison could be addiction. And trust me, friends, I've been there. This, this prison could be a whole bunch of different things, medical issues or whatever, and the world will try to convince you, again, by the transformation, the renewal of your mind, the world will try to get you in your mind and say, you're in a prison and you're stuck here. Tell you what, God can use a prison for a purpose. And as we look back over the Old and in the New Testament, there are situations, sure, without them, but how many iconic heroes of the faith endured prison? Can you tell Joseph's story without about 17 years in prison? What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? What about Daniel? What about Paul? What about the apostles? And so what we discover is that you might be thrown there, but God can use a prison for a purpose. What is the purpose in any prison you might be in? I'll tell you what it is, whether you realize it or not, that God be glorified. So your prison, even if you feel trapped there, is not about you. It's about God. And what God is either doing within you or what God is going to use you to do with other people. I want to skip over just a minute. Keep your finger here in Acts. The book of James opens the first eight verses this way. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in dispersion, greetings. Boom, right out of the gate. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. He's speaking out of experience. Count it joy. If you're in a prison, if you feel trapped, if you don't know what the answer is, good. Trust in the Lord. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Pause here really quickly. We live in a Christian generation right now where no one wants to actually have their faith tested. It's convenient when the trial goes someone else's way. But when the test is there, when the rubber meets the road, the challenge has begun. The gauntlet has been thrown. And for those of us who persevere in Christ, we know that the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. What a joy. You don't know if you've got it till you've been through it. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask the Christian counselor. Let him ask Google. If anyone of you lacks wisdom, let him ask his friend 
who arguably doesn't make the best life choices, but he's really been there for you. If one of you lacks wisdom, uh, let him ask Dr. Phil or Oprah or YouTube. Is that, are, are we reading that together? Do you have a different translation than I do? No, okay. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And we need to be asking God more. And I promise you, if you take up this challenge, you will not be disappointed. Not because I said so, because of the promise of God. If you go to the Lord in prayer, ask whatever you will in His name, Jesus said, and it will be given you. And we're not going to God enough in prayer. We ask Google, we ask friends, we ask YouTube, we ask social media, we post our woes and our troubles on there. In the hopes that someone may comment and give us a heart emoji. Or the care fight, the little care smiley face. Maybe they have advice for me. Maybe they can help me. And we turn to the world before turning to God. And for whatever you need, wisdom, discernment, knowledge, patience. Parents, anyone, patience. Please. Use some of that in every house. Or you just, if you have patience, come over and hang out with me, my my house. Got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And they are a test. But a joy. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. You see a promise there? I do. Pretty simple. Just got to take God at his word. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. What we see here in the apostles and their prison experience is that they were unwavering. Isn't it refreshing to see that? Because our world likes to waver. This is popular now. This is not popular now. This is okay to say then. It's not okay to say now. This is the acceptable logo for the North American companies. This is the acceptable logo of the businesses for the Saudi Arabian and Iranian companies. If you don't even know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. The world likes to waver. We've got to be steadfast. We know that testing of our faith is going to produce that steadfastness. And our world needs to see some steadfast Christ followers. And God can use any prison for a purpose. Verse 27, when they had brought them, now they're before the council, they stepped in there before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying... We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. We done told you once. We done told you twice. Then we put you in prison. Now you out again. You saying the same message. We told you. Bad apostles. We strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Which we'll get there in a moment. Already was. <laughs> anyway. And Peter and the apostles answered... 
And this is, this is probably the anchor verse for today's message. If you don't have this underlined and at the very least memorized, please do right now. Verse 29, Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. Thanks, Aiden. Always an encouragement. We must obey God rather than men. I had a great conversation with a friend of mine uh, just a short bit ago. Uh, centralizing around some of this very thing. And uh, last week we talked here in this forum about separation of church and state. I had a conversation with one of our elders, David, uh, who's around here somewhere. He's out there. He's, I don't know. David, you're in the bathroom! <laughs> we'll be on our live stream. You can go back and watch this on YouTube later. It's classic. Classic. David going potty. Anyway, um, so just having good conversations about this, about you know, the separation of church and state. And, and again, that is strictly an American view. And back in the day, the religious law was the law. And I challenge you today just to think about it. Because America is just a blip in the timeline of history. There it is. Like 200 and whatever years we've been going on, 254. I don't know, someone can do the math. You know, we have other empires, the age of empires. You have the Roman Empire, it was like 900-something years. You have Egypt for, what, a couple thousand years. Babylonians, other things. America's, boop! And, and that's it. Hey, David. <laughs> you feel better? I'm just giving you a hard time. No, no. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just picking on you. And, and if we're honest, you know, America... Based on history, America's probably not going to live forever. Anyone want to take that bet? I, I don't. Do I love my country? Yes. And it's 4th of July weekend. Yay. I'm thankful for my nation. We need to pray for its leaders. But America ain't going to be around forever. If you flip over to Revelation, it's not there. It's just not there. So who are we going to serve? Are we going to have an eternal mindset or a, or a worldly mindset? Obviously, based on, on Scripture, we need the eternal mindset. We need the heavenly mindset through Christ Jesus in us. And, and we must, we must obey God rather than men. And this choice, this choice is the balance point of all history. Going back to the beginning, Adam and Eve in a garden, you probably know the story, little flannel boards when you were a kid in Sunday school or whatever. If you don't, Genesis chapters 1 through 3, God created everything, took a rest. Adam's over there, going all Encyclopedia Britannica on the animals, naming everything. He's lonely. God says, it's not good for man to be alone. Men, we know it. It's not good for us to be alone. Nope. We make a helpmate. Eve, they're in the garden. We have two trees that are named the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. Here's Adam and Eve. They had the choice. Did they obey God? No. Thanks. They did not. Everybody, be quick with the answers. Quick with the answers. They didn't obey God. History. All of it. 
And your life may, and in fact does, teeter on this question. This is the balance point. You're going to fall one way or the other for eternity. Like that, then you have that moment from Avengers, Loki drops in. I've been falling for 30 minutes. Anyway, so you're going to keep falling into this for eternity, which one way or the other. It's an important question, isn't it? Are we going to obey God or man? Now, does that mean we start a rebellion immediately and overthrow our nation? No. Give unto Caesar what is Caesar, and this is going in you know, someplace we're not going to talk about today. But I challenge you this. If the, the world's laws do not coincide with the God's laws, choose God's laws. This is a fun message, right? Everything's hanging in the balance, and Peter's standing there before people who have the power to kill him. Keep in mind, these are the same group of people, the same council that just a short time ago killed Jesus, put him on the cross. And here they are. They have the power and the authority to have him wiped and they're speaking again. Here's an answered prayer for more boldness. To your face, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers, the same God you're talking about, the same God of, of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, raised Jesus, whom you killed, the blood is on your hands, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior. To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. We've seen it. We were there. We got the t-shirt. We saw what happened. We've been present at what God has done. We were there. We saw his resurrected self walking around and healing people. And doing amazing things. We saw him ascend into heaven. We've known the Holy Spirit to land on us in tongues of fire. Where were you like, I don't know, two weeks ago when everybody was going around speaking in different languages and how amazing that was. God is doing something amazing right now. We are witnesses to this and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them because they chose to obey God rather than man. We must, church, we must obey God rather than men. Verse 24, 34, I'm sorry. They wanted to kill him. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, had the respect of both sides, and there were two arguably three, but the two primary parties of the time were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Um, and so this man was commanded respect from both sides. Oh, Gamaliel speaking. Let's listen. And he stood up, gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. Let them go. We're going we're gonna to talk with them. Put, put the apostles outside, you know, and, and let's have a chat. And he said to them, men of Israel, taking, talking now to the, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, this council was assembled, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theudas rose up 
claiming to be somebody. And a number of men, about 400, joined him. Well, he was killed. And all who followed him were dispersed, and it came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him, and he too perished. And all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, just keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. If it is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you cannot stop it. How great is that? Like, that's the test. Is this of God or not? Is what we are a part of, is what you are a part of, is what True Life Church is a part of, if it, if it is of God, will it fail? No. If it is of man, will it fail? Yes. Guaranteed, 100%. Every time. Because God does not fail. He does not change. He was before time, created time, after time. Good luck getting your head around that one. For all time, eternity and beyond, infinity and beyond. And, you know, Pixar is really borrowing that from it's really a biblical perspective. Man. If it's of the Lord, it will triumph. Again, going to the end, God wins. The church is around, God, God wins. Period. Now, if you've read the end of the book, that's the end of the book. As well as of all life. If we really believe that, we should live accordingly. If we really believe that, we should live accordingly. Well, how do we know that? How do we know what is of God and of not of God? By the testing. We must test and approve what is of God and not of God. Well, how are you going to know that? Because the Spirit in you. And if need be, gather with other believers. Now again, not the world. Other believers who have and are of the same Spirit, brothers and sisters in Christ, and say, friend, brother, sister, I need your help. I got a situation going on and, and I need godly counsel. If it's, if it's of man, it's going to fail. But it's of God, you can't stop it. And so they took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, just probably because they liked it and were sadists at this point, they beat them. I mean, they got to leave him with something, a bruise or a mark, and say, hey, bad apostles again. Strike number three. They beat them, and again said the same message now for the umpteenth time. Said, not to speak in the name of Jesus, and be free. And immediately, what do we read? The next verse. 
And they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name, the name of Christ. And every day in the temple, every day in the temple and from house to house, every day they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Isn't that great? What boldness, what what devotion. And my prayer for us as a church is that that we would have that that drive, that that passion for not going to ever stop talking about Jesus, teaching about Jesus, preaching to others about Jesus, and asking the only question that really matters. Do you know Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior? The answer is no to that question. Friends, you've got a conversation in front of you that needs to be had because we are not guaranteed tomorrow. They weren't either. And so they were going to live every day, every life, every breath, every moment for Christ. And they were joyful when they suffered for the name of Christ. Can, now, I, I will say this. This is one area that I'm thankful that God has put us in a church because we all are a body of Christ, different uh, believers with different roles and different responsibilities, responsibilities and different areas and spheres of influence. And myself here, I can say that within these 7,120 square feet, this is an easy message. Walk out these doors, changes. Now, I get to interact with different people and different friends and different relationships. But the beauty of the burden is shared by all when you go out there. Ever thought that God has you in the exact place you are in right now, regardless of your current circumstances? So that you can preach and teach the name of Jesus Christ. Counting it all joy regardless of whatever you're going through. But they might make fun of me. So? They can say, oh, are you a religious person? Yes. Are you all spiritual? I have the Holy Spirit. I'm not spiritual as the world says it. I got something else. Are you one of those holy rollers? Yeah. You bet I am. You're a Bible thumper? Every day. Are you going to evangelize me? You betcha. That's, that's our task. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus' words, what we call the great commission. Go therefore in all the world, teaching in the name of Jesus Christ and baptizing. In the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit. Behold, I'm with you. I'm with you to the end of time. What good news. What a joy. What a task that we have ahead of us. So my challenge for you this week is with an apostle-like heart. Imagine. Imagine. Not that it ever will happen and not that we should ever be seeking it for personal gain. Please hear me out on that. But imagine if 2,000 years from now if there is an earth at this rate, who knows? Right? <laughs> anyway, if 2,000 years from now, 
people could read a story about the life you lived for Christ. And are we living in such a manner? That's the task. That's the challenge. And that is the joy before us this morning. Let's get after it. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this message. This weekly podcast is a ministry of True Life Church. If you'd like to help keep these audio sermons available, you can support our ministry online at www.truelifemelbourne.com forward slash give. Until next time, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.